I think I'm on. Yeah, I am on. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning, and uh, it's great to have you in church. Uh, turn to your neighbour and say, it's really nice to see you today. Um, it's our joy to welcome back to the house Alexandro and Marianne from their trip, and Marius from their trip to Romania. And uh, one of their uh, goals to go home because they've not been home for so many years after literally escaping from the communists and guns and dogs and barbed wire and all that sort of stuff. Amazing story. But they've got family back in uh, Romania that don't know Jesus Christ. And so they're hoping that they'll be able to share the gospel. And I've only heard it secondhand, but I believe seven friends and relatives gave their life to Jesus in their trip. So we give God glory. That's really wonderful. And uh, uh, Kerry and Jill give their apologies. James has been rushed to hospital this morning. He's probably going to be okay, but it's an emergency situation. So uh, we'll just pray, won't we? Lord, we thank you. Lord, uh, the sparrow does not even fall from the tree without you being mindful, Lord. And nothing takes you by surprise. And Lord, we all have our concerns, uh, Lord, whether it's finances or health, healing, relationships, Lord, uh, all that stuff of life. And Lord, all we can do is humble ourselves, Lord, under your mighty hand, knowing that you are a good God. And Lord, if we will draw near to you, Lord, you have promised that you will draw near to us. And so, Father, release your grace, release your mercy. Release your power, Lord, over all these circumstances in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So uh, I'm just going to probably start. I don't know how long I'll go for it, but I'm just conscious that uh, so much of what happens these days in our lives is coming about because people are making stupid decisions. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to preach or can I just tell you the truth today? What do you want, preaching or truth? Some of you going, eh, 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 shouldn't it be both? <laughs> okay, so I want to talk to you about wisdom. Now, it is funny because if you split the word, you've got whiz and dumb. So I think there's a, there's a point that you've got to keep the wise and the dominion together to live in that place where wisdom has a domain, wisdom rules. Otherwise, you end up with whiz, dumb. Uh, so walking wisdom. So we'll see how we go. So next slide. Thank you. Bad stuff happens. Can anybody testify? <laughs> I see that hand. Anybody testify? Bad? Can you understand? Bad stuff happens. It happens, doesn't it? Uh, no matter who you are, doesn't matter what color your skin is, what your education is, doesn't matter even if you pray a lot and read your Bible, whether you've got all that. Bad stuff happens. Yeah? This next slide. Thank you. Now, bad stuff happens. In fact, good stuff happens really out of a basic... It's, not, it's actually not rocket science. It's actually relatively simple. Why does bad stuff happen? Well, one of them is because of the fact we live in a fallen creation. You know, 2,000... Uh, sorry, 6,000. Well, how many thousand years was it ago? There was a guy called Adam... And there was a woman called Eve. And in the garden, they were given uh, one simple rule. 
don't eat of that fruit. And guess what? They blew it. <laughs> you know, and uh, we are now uh, suffering the consequences of that. God said, if you don't want me to be your God, if you don't want to live under my protection, if you don't want to live under in my paradise, if you don't want to live in that circumstance, well, I'll let you run the show. And since then, human beings have been running the show. And it hasn't gone well. And what God kindly did, we don't sometimes see it, but God says, I'm actually going to subject creation to human dominion for a season because when I fix human beings, then I can fix creation. And so creation ultimately gets fixed. We are the best greenies on the face of the planet because when we get fixed, the environment gets fixed, the air gets fixed, the water gets fixed. So creation. So some of the stuff that happens to us is because we live in a world where there's viruses and bacteria and there's things that go, things like gravity. You know, you fall out of a tree, gravity will work. And that's just because we live in this universe. It's amoral. It's not necessarily evil, but it's just we live in this universe. It's a broken, fallen universe. My eyes are deteriorating. And so I look at my wife and she's still as beautiful as the day I married her. 42 years ago. She's not changed at all. You know, I put my glasses on. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, she's not here today, so I can, I can play a little bit, just a little bit. I, I love her dearly. I love her dearly. So part of what's wrong with what the world is the world is busted. The world is broken. Amen. The world is broken. Uh, another thing that is in the world is what we call the law of cause and effect. This is one of the Newton's uh, laws, one of the fundamental laws of physics is the law of cause and effect. And so we are now living with cause and effect. Now, I'm not trying to make any more of a statement out of this than necessary, so please don't overread what I'm saying. But if the, the government of Australia passes legislation that promotes assisted dying, if that happens, the effect of that is some people will die that shouldn't die. You know, that's just going to be what's going to happen. If the government passes laws that says that gender is actually a personal choice and now, you know, you can dress how you like and go to whatever toilet you like, you know, if that's the law, then the problem will be down the line is that some people are going to end up in all sorts of troubles and turmoil. You understand what I'm saying? It's just cause and effect. You know, I had a man a number of years ago, many, many years ago, who was really um, cross because his daughter's now on drugs. Another son has committed suicide. And he's really sad about that. But, you know, the, the terrible facts are if he hadn't been a dropkick 20 years ago when he was going to church with his family, you hearing me? Going to church with his family, putting his kids in this, into children's church, trying to lead a model of Christian life. But he, he didn't stay there. He drifted. It was only a little drift to begin with. Stop stopped going to church. Then it was okay to start drinking again. And the drinking led to heavier drinking. And the heavier drinking then led to back to drug use. And the drug use led back to... The bottom line is then the wife leaves. 
And then as the wife leaves, another man enters into the home and then that man enters into the home, causes all sorts of other dramas and stuff. And then can you see cause and effect? It's not a one for one, but my actions do matter. Your actions do matter. So it's important that we understand that's a part of life, the cause and effect of life. And, of course, the other one up the top there is bad choices. So a lot of what happens in life happens because Mike's dumb and stupid. You wouldn't believe some of the stupid stuff I... Well, you probably do. You know, some of the really dumb stuff I did. Uh, I think one of my highlights was I did want to get gunpowder out of a bullet... And so I put it in a vice and I took their head off and then I used a pin to try and get out the gun paddle and it went bang! And literally, I couldn't see for about 10, 15 minutes. I thought I'd actually done it forever. Who knows that was a bit stupid? Stupid is, stupid does. Anybody heard of the Darwin Awards? Darwin Awards. It's a salute to the fact that... uh, the idea is that maybe uh, we should just acknowledge those people whose genes are so deteriorated that they kill themselves for stupidity. That's so they get an award, you know. So, you know, there's like the 11-year-old Tasmanian boy who pulled out all his adult teeth because he wanted more money from the tooth fairy. Not particularly bright, you know. Or the man in Darwin, it was actually in Darwin, who thought he would serenade his girlfriend by... Uh, swinging from a lamppost on a rope into his girlfriend's window naked doing a Tarzan-type visit. Well, the glass was in the way. It did not... It was not pretty. And apparently the relationship didn't go forward. But... (laughs) So one of the... One of the things about life is bad choices (laughs) cause bad things. Now, there's also, I think, another ingredient. I think what we do believe will influence what we get. And I think there is faith. And when we're positively believing in the the things that Scripture says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11 verse 1, uh, then I think we can actually see our world be influenced by faith. But I also know that there's unfaith. And, uh, you know, my... Mother-in-law, bless her, she's 86 years of age with a 90-year-old boyfriend. It's not right, really, isn't You know, this Facebooking stuff's very dangerous for seniors. So he, uh, um, but you know, she's been saying for years, you know, I've got cancer, I've got cancer, I've got cancer, I've got cancer. I'll be so surprised if she doesn't die of cancer. <laughs> she's disappointed every time there's a lump and it's not cancer. You know, you, you got to be careful because even unfaith, you know, those negative thoughts, you know, those patterns of systematic failure, disappointment, whatever, can influence as well. But one of the big quadrants, I don't know about you, but the worst stuff that's happened to Mike hasn't really been cause and effect. A little bit. I think the fact my father was unfaithful, he cheated upon my wife, upon my mother, and my mother had a mental breakdown. I left home at 14 years of age. There's a bit of cause and effect there. You see that? Okay. I think the falls had some impact. But most of what's happened that's been bad in Mike's life is because of bad, say it with me, bad choices. Okay, next slide. 
Thank you. We can... Okay. So biblical wisdom, which is a big theme that we'll touch on, is doing what you know to be true. I think a great deal of the problems with what's in the modern church today is not that we have no knowledge, but we seem to be in a space where we don't have the ability to actually apply to do what we know is right. Yeah? Yeah. Who knows the right thing to do in this place? Oh, thank you. (laughs) We've got a few people. But the ability to do it is really... I actually got a... I was a bit short on my finances and my credit card's been exposed and, you know, my wife's got animals and issues and my sister's been very expensive. So the board kindly allowed me to cash in my uh, superannuation. So I got a $10,000 payment. Ooh, I'm rich. Went straight in the credit card. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm saying, well, do I tithe on it? Well, I've already tithed on it. And then all of a sudden, all those sorts of things start going in my mind. And you know what? I could do what I feel like, or I could do what is right. But, you know, there's sometimes a gap between doing right and thinking right. And I want to tell you this. You can never... This, can, can you just get out your pens now? If, if, if anyone's going to tweet this, this is the one I want you to tweet. You're not doing fake book, I hope, or waste book. This is the one I want to... You cannot make a right choice unless you've got right thinking. Unless you've got right thinking, you'll never make a right choice. And our thinking's got to come from a right place. So the right place is the B-I-B-L-E, the book for me. That tells us what to think. That thinking will enable us to do the right choices. So biblical wisdom is doing what you know to be true. Next slide. So here's the burden of being a human being. All the humans, please raise their hands. All the aliens, please raise their hands. <laughs> we do have a few present. So here's the burden of being human. You actually do get to choose. At the core of being made in the image of God is that you have an ability to choose. You don't have as much to choose. You're not as free as what you think you are, but you have a capacity to choose. So between the chaos and the order, there's your ability to choose. You hear what I'm saying? You can choose in a way that adds to chaos. You can choose in a way that leads to order. Between the darkness and the light, there is your choice. Between the peace and the confusion, there is your choice. Between the love and loneliness, there is your choice. Between at the end of the day, you have a capacity in the middle of those bipolar issues to influence it, subject to the fallen creation, your choice. So unlike an animal that is instinctive, it will be totally driven by its appetites in the moment, and man at his worst is the worst animal on the planet, isn't he? But, you know, when when my dog doesn't think about eating, it eats when it's hungry and can get food. My dog doesn't think about procreating. It just procreates when it can. You understand? It's instinctive. But you have a distinctive on your life in that you're created to be like God and that you can choose. 
It's your distinctive. You can have a bedroom that reflects the jungles of Peru or you can have the Sistine Chapel and you are human and you get to choose between the poles. You've got influence. You're a little bit like God. You've got influence over that area in between. But although you are free to choose, here it is. You are not free to choose the consequences. That's the thing. If you'd spoken to David, King David, King David, you can have your 10 minutes with Bathsheba. She's a babe on the roof. You know, you can have your 10 minutes with her and you'll enjoy it. You won't feel particularly good about yourself after, but you can have her for the 10 minutes. Or you can have a dead baby, your son split the kingdom in two, have sex with all your concubines and wives in the presence of the people, your daughter raped, your kingdom destroyed. What do you want, King David? You hear? Can you hear what I'm saying? Because you're free to choose, but you're not free to change the consequences. And I just wish, maybe not because it would have affected me much earlier, I just wish that God would bring the consequences of our decisions closer to our choices because maybe we would learn faster. But in his mercy, I didn't die the first time I stole a car. In his mercy, when I'm racing from uh, Perth to Scarborough in six minutes and not stopping for a single red light, in his mercy, I didn't hit someone else, kill myself and someone else. You, you understand? If you come to our place, we warn you, we have electric fences. Anybody ever had the pleasure of touching an electric fence? <laughs> Instant perm, eh? That will wake you up, won't it? You know? <laughs> Instant thing. Now, the, the good thing about electric fence is you touch it, and unless you're very lucky, you just miss the pulse. If you touch it, you go, boom, oh, 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 I don't want to do that again. I wonder if God was to uh, decompress the time between our fault and the effects of that fault, maybe we'd be a lot more holy. Maybe we'd be doing better, but we'd also have a lot less freedom and we'd be a little bit less godlike. If the first time you viewed porn and uh, you could see, okay, I can watch this little picture that will titillate me, excite me, etc., put me into the bad place, etc. If I could see that 20 years later, I'm in jail now. What would you choose? <laughs> what would you choose? You are not free to choose the consequences. You're free to choose, but not the consequences. A good point. One per, anybody think that's all right? Is that worth a clap maybe? Fantastic. I'll try harder. Watching that clock. Next one. Okay. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom, say wisdom, and instruction, to receive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, inequity, to give prudence to the simple. I love it because it doesn't got anything to do with IQ. 
It's got everything to do with your ability to EQ, to execute it, to put it into place. I have seen some of the most simple people intellectually thrive in life because they read their Bible and they do it. Read their Bible and they do it. Um, I'll tell you the story of Sharky for Jesus. I've told it before. But Sharky for Jesus was a simple little man who went to Bible college. And as part of all that, he changed his name from Sharky to Sharky for Jesus. And so for him, this was just a great thing because people would say, what's your name? It says Sharky for Jesus. Well, where'd you get that name from? And then he witnessed him, you see. And Sharky for Jesus just believed God in a very simple way. And when he finished Bible college, I asked him, what are you going to do? And he says, well, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to actually work with Kenneth Hagen or Ken Copeland, one of those big ministries. I forget which one it was now. And... Uh, well, people started to hear about this and someone would give him $10 and someone would give him $50. And before he knew it, he picked up an airfare and off he is going to America. Gets to America, gets to the conference and he says to the people at the conference, he says, yeah, I've come here to work for, we'll call it Kenneth Copeland, okay? Well, I'm here to, I've come across, I've come from Australia to work for Kenneth Copeland. This is all, oh, if that's the case, you better come and sit near the front. <laughs> They sit him down near the front and there he is, Sharky for Jesus, and he's talking to the people next to him. He says, oh, I'm from Australia, yeah, I'm from here. Yeah, I've come to work with Kenneth, Pastor Kenneth Copeland. And he says, oh, well, you can come stay with me. Make a long story short, he ended up working for Kenneth Copeland because he just kept on trusting God, having faith, talking out, expressing what he believed. There's power in that, isn't it? Enormous power. So this is for the simple as well. This will work for Mike and it'll work for you. Yeah? Applying what you know to be right. Who knows it's the right thing to pray? Yeah. Rainer does. <laughs> Who knows it's the right thing to do? To read your Bible? A wise man will hear an increase in learning, but a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. The understanding of a proverb to enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is no biblical wisdom. There might be worldly wisdom, but there's no biblical wisdom without there being the fear of the Lord. So let me just say to you, there is a uh, psychologist talk about healthy fear and unhealthy fear. Unhealthy fear is bad and we can pray for you and you can be set free. Unhealthy fear can be a terrible bind. But there's also a healthy fear, isn't there? There's that healthy fear that keeps us safe, that warns us when we're about to do something stupid and healthy fear. This is a healthy fear. It's not an unhealthy fear, it's healthy. But the difference is my relationship with God is one where he invokes awe and deep respect and honor. And because I'm captured by that, in a relationship founded on his grace and my response of gratitude in that, I am deeply deeply respectful and honoured to be in that relationship. 
That's healthy fear of the Lord. Unhealthy fear of the Lord is this intimidation. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm full of guilt. I'm full of sin. He says, well, I know all that, Mike. Can you get over it? You know, <laughs> you know I'm full of... That's, that's the unhealthy fear. It's healthy fear. It's, unfortunately, it's the word awe or awesome. But I think the devil has raped that word of its meaning because it's another way to decrease what we believe about God. Because my shoes aren't awesome. God's awesome. My jeans aren't awesome. God is awesome. It's meant to capture our heart. You know why I don't speed in my car? Because I have a healthy fear of getting a fine. (laughs) Having to explain to Monique that she now owes more than I do. (laughs) A healthy fear can keep you very, very safe. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I have a terribly deep concern for everybody here today, plus throughout the churches of West Australia. I'm so grateful for lights and amazing music and we can sit on these comfortable chairs and have these wonderful people around. See, all that's nice, but it won't give you wisdom. The fear of the Lord will give you wisdom. And even as I'm talking here, there will be people who actually probably... Their head's in a different space. They're watching their iPads. They're doing texting, whatever it might be. And we have, in the modern church, we've got to get into a space where we know the difference between hype and the real deal, the authentic manifestation of God's presence. And, you know, I'm concerned that we can have a service where we'll sing about the glory of God and his manifested presence and the lights go on and the smoke machine comes in. And I'm not against smoke machines and and lights and stuff. I think, you know, that's great. But it's not God. It's not the real deal. It's not the same thing. The same, you know, I've had, God show up in a manifested way in my life and it changes me, it transforms me. I'm not the same. I don't go out and say, oh, that was a nice service. The lights were pretty. We actually do need a fresh revelation of the awesomeness of God in the modern church. We need a fresh vision as to the one we serve, the one who the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts because if you get that, it's wisdom. Absolute wisdom. Uh, a number of years ago, I was in Malaysia, and uh, my friend had taken me to a, like a theme park, and it was a little bit dodgy in some ways. And he says, "Oh, would you like a massage, Pastor Mike?" And I said, "Well, I suppose so. My my experiences of massages have been quite interesting over the years, from people that hurt you badly and you can't walk. But anyway, I said I'll go for this, and." Up to then, my experience of massages, you've got to keep your clothes on. Which, for me, I feel very comfortable about that. <laughs> so so I, I walk... Well, you might be different, but I'm very comfortable with that. You know, I keep your clothes on. So I walk into this little cubicle, and there's this nice Asian girl there, and she starts signaling to me to take off my shirt. Well, I can take my shirt off. 
leave the t-shirt on. Got a few ripples and stuff. So I took my shirt off. Then she wanted my t-shirt. Now, now, yeah, now, that's skin now. That's, that's skin. Now, let's with bathers. Then she wanted these. I am getting decidedly nervous. And uh, she got those off. She wanted the underwear, but they were glued to my body. <laughs> and she proceeded to give me a massage. And about 10 minutes into this massage, I suddenly started to realise that this massage could provide for all sorts of... (laughs) Gary, how do you know about this? (laughs) Extras! I, I, I pointed to my wedding ring and says, no, thank you, I'm married. And the Asian lady said, it doesn't matter, they're all married. Not nice, really not nice. And, and just for a minute, do you know the devil is a pig? Oh, sorry. Is it, is it Christian to talk bad about the devil? He, he, this thought came to mind. Who's going to know? Who is going to know? And uh, I want to tell you, by God's grace, not because I'm strong, because I'm not, not because I'm not tempted, because I am, I want to tell you the truth, because of God's grace. Something called the fear of the Lord and the fear of money (laughs) came into my heart and I said, no thank you and I picked up my clothes and I waddled out (laughs) saved my butt didn't it saved my butt because there's consequences David Wilkson tells a story in the early ages of Teen Challenge the early days of Teen Challenge of how he's ministering does an amazing sermon on forgiveness and it's a big issue I find lots of people even here are still dealing with you know Forgiveness. How do I forgive? How do I forgive others? How do I forgive myself? And this man comes out to the altar for prayer. He's carrying a little baby. And uh, as David, Pastor David is praying for him, this man is broken, deep weeping, you know, from, you know, from the very pit of his soul, you know, just gushing. Isn't? And, and as David prays for him and he starts to talk with the man, and the man says, look, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. You know, I was raised in the Christian family, met this beautiful girl and Christian girl. We got married. But just before we got married, I had a Bucks night, which I always think is one of the weirdest things Christians do. And in the Bucks night, I brought some of my unsaved friends along and they had hired a stripper for me, a prostitute. And I thought, it's just, just one time. Just one time, it doesn't matter. God will forgive me. Well, that's how he lies to me. <laughs> God will forgive me. And uh, got married. And, uh, and I know God's forgiven me. But I contracted uh, syphilis. Passed that on to my wife. And my baby boy has been born blind. I know... God has forgiven me 
but who, who will explain to my son why he is born blind? Choices, consequences. And stupid is, stupid does. What we do sometimes is we get that revolver and there's 20 chambers on it. We put in the one bullet. Oh, I didn't get, I got drunk. I didn't hurt anybody. No one got hurt. Spin the thing. I've had drug addicts say to me, didn't hurt me. Didn't hurt me. I got away with it. You know what happens eventually, don't you? Eventually, consequences come and the challenges occur. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I want to make you frightened of hell. I'd like to scare the hell out of you this morning if I could. And I don't have a smoke machine. Wait, should I do? But that's not going to do it for you. We've got some nice lights. That's not going to do it for you. The only thing that can do it for you is a fresh understanding of the God that we serve. Jesus, me mate, or the God who is a living, consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Here's a thought about hell for you. What if when the writer of Hebrews says, my God, our God, our God is a consuming fire, maybe that is how God exists, as a consuming fire. And Revelations chapter 3 talks about how God wants us to be hot or cold. Yes? If you're lukewarm, he doesn't want you. He wants you smoking, man. Smoking for God. Hot for God. So maybe he wants Christians to be on fire. And maybe if I'm on fire, then when I'm united to God, who is a consuming fire, I'm actually immersed and taken up in that very presence. Fire added to fire just gets brighter and bigger and warmer, etc. But what if I'm an ice block? What if I am cold to God, cold to his ways? that if God was to bring me into his presence, then hell is a living fire. Mmm. A living fire. So what's all? Well, the best thing I can come up with is probably the story of Aslan. Next slide. And then we'll have the team up, thanks. The story of Aslan, C.S. Lewis's great uh, trilogy. It's been dropped to film now. They've done a reasonably good job of it. And uh, the little girl is asking about Aslan the lion and she's talking to the beaver guy. A bit weird, actually, the beaver, but anyway. And it says, you know, Aslan, he's not a tame lion. Is he safe? And uh, the beaver says, uh, he's the king. He's the king of kings. He is a lion. He is not safe, but he's good. I wonder if we could have got a lion to come today to the church. I tell you what, you'd pay it respect, wouldn't you? You'd pay it respect. There'd be hopefully some healthy fear. Yes? No one's going to be planking on the lion, I hope. There'd be some healthy respect for the lion. Our God is so much more than that. May we have uh, a better understanding as to who he is.
Because without the fear of the Lord, you're just going to be plain stupid. Without the fear of the Lord, you're going to be foolish. Without the fear of the Lord, you will make choices that will cause bad things to happen to you. I'd love you to continue to make choices that are good for you. Amen? Amen. Can I have the team up? Thanks, and we'll close the service. Thank you. Was that the last slide? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I did. I see that hand. Fantastic. We'll finish with uh, the river just to let you go, but let's just pray. Uh, Just stand in uh, God's presence, please, and uh, we'll just ask God. Lord, uh, a sermon probably can't change us, Lord. Lord, a song's not going to change us. Lord, uh, the right choreography is not going to change us, Lord. The only thing that can change us is your grace and our willingness coming together. And so, Lord, I ask for all of my brothers and sisters here today that, Lord, we would so tune into you and, and hear your word that there is wisdom to be found in just putting you first, respecting you first, to have that awe, that deep respect. Father, take our breath away by your beauty. Capture us, Lord, afresh with your person. May we, Lord, uh, go through that transformation as even as I was. He went to the temple on the Lord's day. Lord, disappointed because his uh, hero king Isaiah died, but Lord had an encounter with you where he heard and saw your holiness. Lord, it changed him, it transformed him, changed his agenda. Lord, who will go for us? Whom shall I send, Lord? It was altered. May your Zerophim bring a coal to our tongue this day and cleanse us, Lord. Make us the people you want us to be. Lord, you set before your people of old death and life. Lord, on one side they uttered the curses. On the other side of the valley, on the other mountain, they they uttered the blessings and that you put your people in between, and you pleaded with them, choose life, choose life. Father, I pray that every one of us today will choose life in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Can you say let it be?